Okay, you start talking first. Me? Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone. So, welcome to our special 10th episode of a Backseat Banter podcast. I don't know um, why you say special, but yeah, okay. It's, it's a 10th episode. Special. It is special, yeah. We've hit a milestone, <laughs> yes. It's a milestone, yeah. And today, we're going to talk about the future of cars and how it would impact us as petrol heads because obviously there's a trend nowadays automakers are investing more and more into an electrified future which we all fear of so i don't think the word is fear i think it is we are anxious of change we as humans are always inherently nervous about the future and so i think especially with this giant shift in our hobby we are tending to be more cautious of what comes ahead. Yeah, but who's to say it can't be as good as a future for petrol heads as well, right? Yeah, you, you make a really good point. So I think there are a lot of petrol heads right there who are now undergoing the five stages of grief in the sense where moving towards an EV future, we've done bargaining, we've done <laughs> uh, whining, and now some of us have even moved on to acceptance and have seen the light, as many of these Tesla people will say, to transitioning towards an electric vehicle. Yeah, but are Tesla owners actually petrol heads? I don't think so. There will be a lot of Tesla people who will already be pissed at you at that statement. <laughs> okay, go on, go on. So what will we be talking about today? So I think the topic today, to give it its title, will be The Future is Grim for Petrol Heads. Or is it? So we would like to think that the EV future that we are going to accept that is coming, how will it affect our current perception to our passion slash hobby slash what we like? Yeah, but before we go further, I just want to ask, do you think that in terms of cars that are new today, you think it's already past what us petrol heads would consider as prime in some sense we've gone past the good old days already well petrol heads love to look at the past we are always stuck in the past thing oh the past is good and also, especially now with this transition towards evs everyone is doom posting saying oh cars are dead and we're moving on to a lean green future but if you look at what's actually going on sale right now we are actually reaching peak car we might not even be at peak petrol head card passion yet because yeah. things like if you want a v8 muscle car there's the new mustang that is a v8 that's naturally yeah. aspirated yeah if you want a v12 hypercar we have mm-hmm. pagani doing the utopia or and we have lambo still coming up with special editions there are still front engine v12 ferraris on sale yeah and so peak petrol head is here or is soon even soon to come there is still life in the petrol engine for now yeah i mean in terms of petrol engine no doubt i think that as we understand more and develop more on the petrol engine certainly it gets better but i feel like there are other aspects of a car that have moved on well of what we desire have certainly moved on so for example with regulations like safety and noise and all these things right cars nowadays are getting bigger and safer you know exhausts are being limited 
by noise pollution and emissions, of course, among other things. And mm. I would argue that we, we have already passed the golden age, as we petrol heads would call it, because I think that how the term petrol head even came about at the start is because of um, how you can connect. Yeah, pe- petrol yeah. and how you connect with the car. And I would say nowadays, as we have discussed in our last episode on uh, why supercars don't excite us anymore, I think there's this disconnect between us, the petrol heads, and the car itself. I think I see a point where, especially with cars getting fatter, with cars getting heavier, with cars getting more green, we have lost a bit of what petrol heads in general like to think of as the raw expression of a car. Raw, yes, yes, yes. But I think that we might have our rose tinted glasses on a bit too soon because if you look back at, let's say, the 50s and 60s where car design was at its peak, I guess, because there was really no rules back then as to what, how cars can be styled. You have yeah. some yeah. cars these days won't have fins. You just can't make it happen. Mm. But... Even with all these safety aspects in place, these safety regulations in place, we still have some really good-looking cars. Yeah, although slightly bulbous and fat, but I agree, yeah, they could still come out with pretty good-looking cars nowadays. So I guess it's just different, not so much as it being inferior to older cars. Yeah, and I think that if we are bringing the same positive vibes into our electrified future... We might also think that the future of cars is still kind of good. It might still be actually very good, but it's mm. just, I guess, a different type of fun. Mm. Okay. So what do you think um, the future of cars would be like? Especially with, um, I think, European countries like UK, they're going to ban uh, the sale of petrol and diesel cars by 2030. And hybrid mm-hmm. cars by 2035 so mm-hmm. say in 2040 okay about 50 oh my god 2040 is in 17 years oh my yep. <laughs> and so, that, that's probably the only time when we both of us can, can afford nicer afford cars something yeah and, yes yes okay okay let's just put it that the year then 2040 what what kind of cars would we see out there and do you think that can you be certain that the ev is here to stay and is the right transition towards for a greener future. What are your thoughts on this? For my limited knowledge right now, I would say that the car that I would get in 2040 will be electric. Mm, okay. okay. It is just dependent on whether it will be powered by batteries or things like hydrogen. Because hydrogen is also considered electric? Right, yes, it is. It is. Yes, it's, yes, it's it running. Is. So the car that I would have in 2040 will have an electric motor. Mm, yes, so no more combustion and no more CO2, right? It's no more tailpipe CO2. Yeah. But I mm. think while there are actually quite a, there is actually quite a good topic of discussion in terms of batteries, hydrogen, and whatever that fuels the electric motor, I think the more interesting discussion point that I would like to have here is how the electric motor experience will be different from what we are used to right now in terms of having an internal combustion engine and how that will impact our enjoyment of the car. Well, for starters, obviously with an EV motor, you get instant torque. 
There's no doubt yes. about that. At any speed, you get instant talk. And I think, do you think that's something desirable? I would think that there's two ways to argue on whether or not it's a desirable okay. trait. So what's good is obviously you have power at any speed. And obviously, there's more thrill in having the car instantly react to your inputs. So that's the good part of it. But the downside, I would, I can, well, this is a bit far-fetched, but I would say the downside could be that you lose a certain amount of character, especially when you don't have to work the car as hard as you would normally work um, a naturally aspirated engine where you really have to put in the works, step it down and rev it through whatever range that the peak power comes in. And I think there's a certain element of joy in doing that. Yeah, and going from the feedback that we've got from our manual episode that we uploaded, our first episode, yes, you've hit the nail on the head where I think with an EV, with an electric motor, you're going to lose that sense of connection with the car. Mm, yeah. And if you're looking at it in a more macro scale, the removal of the engine component will make all cars feel very similar. Right, because you lose that because it's just an electric motor with different yeah. power. That's the only thing that separates these electric cars, right? Whereas an engine that's you like a different... have... Yeah, go on. Whereas for like an ICE engine, you have different methods of um, delivering that power. Although they are all using combustion technology, you can be mounted in a different way, have different um, cylinders, displacement and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, just think of having a lazy, lumbering V8 in a Ford Crown Vic versus a yeah. high-revving VTEC Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different characteristics, which then you could tailor it towards your driving style or to what you like. So there's more character in owning a petrol car as compared to an EV because they're all the same. Is that the point you're trying to make? Yes, I think so. So I think... Looking at the future, we are not going to get that distinguishing factor between different cars. So mm. that kind of really, it is better for the consumer where it's going to feel more like an appliance. How about that? <laughs> That's so sad though. Although I would say the general population see a car as just an appliance. An appliance yeah. Yes, but oh, that sounds so sad to hear from a petrol head appliance as well. Because if you think of an electric motor, it's really going to be like a blender. You're going to be driving Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking a blender. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a different power rated blenders. You can blend well, more more things, harder you stuff. You blend more of the scenery past you, how about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I can see that people are trying to make it more fun by having things like different noises and different uh you have a manual in your electric motor, but it's just pointless. Manual in your electric motor? Yeah, uh, that means you just have fake gear ratios. Ah, uh, okay. It's just, it are you referring really to one like the Taycan? Is that even considered? No, the Taycan, no, that's just a two-step transmission. I'm referring to an actual manual. Like, there are but... kits out there. You can put a manual gearbox connected to your electric motor, but it does to <laughs> it use does, the term F all. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're just adding gears to the. It's like you're making something worse. <laughs> I won't say okay. worse. You're make, you're adding a redundant component. A redundant, yeah, yeah. Just so you can. Oh, that is truly sad. That is very sad. Yeah. So the idea of having a combustion engine, I think, 
is going to be in the past and we will be led into this more homogenous future. There is a counterpoint though, yeah, which what is, is hydrogen combustion, which is what Toyota is doing, or even yeah, synthetic so fuels. I, I was asking you about the hydrogen-powered cars earlier. You yeah. said that, so how does it differ? You said you will own an electric car in 2040, whether or not it's powered by electricity or hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Is that what you said? Yes. So in the electric car powered by hydrogen, it still uses an electric motor, but it uses yeah, it's a hydrogen. Cell. So the hydrogen acts as the battery that yes. is it? Yes. So this Toyota, I'm assuming you're referring to like Toyota Mirai, is it? Yes, the, I'm referring to Toyota Mirai fuel cell car, yes. So Toyota Mirai is still an electric car, right? Yes. So this other hydrogen-powered car, what is this? I've never heard of it before. So, what Toyota is doing right now, which I'm kind of very interested in because my degree, I somehow converted it to being a person who does a lot of hydrogen stuff. <laughs> okay. In any case, okay. what Toyota is doing is same hydrogen tank, but using the hydrogen to run an engine, the three-cylinder GI Yaris engine. So instead of using petrol to combust, they're combusting hydrogen. Also, uh, it's I'm getting like NGV, similar yes. to NGV, but yes, using very. hydrogen instead. Yes. So, I just want to clarify: Does NGV emit CO two? It does, right? Yes, it does, but uh, at a so, lower rate. Okay. From what I know. So the difference then is hydrogen. It doesn't emit. Does it still emit it carbon does. dioxide? It does. It does. Okay. So, so what's the what's the only the... benefit of hydrogen is that. It is not a fossil fuel. Oh, well, in so terms of like, achieving net zero, yeah. okay, you go ahead. Oh, no, you, you can't achieve net me... zero. Then what's the point? What's the point of having a... You're not using fossil fuels. Yeah, but so fossil it's technically fuel... a renewable resource. Yeah, I know. It's just not green. Okay. I think we're way past the days of trying to conserve non-renewable fossil fuels like petrol because nowadays they're discovering more and more oil reserves so i don't think that's the concern although that was that used to be a concern like i would say 15 20 years ago where they say we might run out of fuel by 2050 but so that doesn't actually help you achieve net zero and no. in my opinion i don't think the government is gonna push for no. that <laughs> so you but okay you can think it's of, still an option it's still an option for because at least for what I'm thinking, if they don't sell fuel, if petrol cars drop off, then there is no reason, based on supply and demand, for there to be that many petrol stations around. Yes. But if Whereas hydrogen? Well, if cars are powered by hydrogen fuel cells, then there will be a demand for a hydrogen supply. So you're saying the hydrogen fuel cell car and the mm -hmm. hydrogen powered ICE engine uses the same fuel. Yeah, it's hydrogen. Mm, okay. You're still filling up the same tank. It's just what the tank is used to run. Whether mm. it's an electric motor through a fuel cell or straight into an engine and burn it. I wonder how different the engine would perform with a hydrogen fuel rather than traditional gasoline though. It's not all that different because you've got to change some injectors of course because it's technically a high pressure gas now. Yeah. But yeah. they're still using the base engine block of the three cylinder GI Yaris. 
Yes. And Toyota's building this Yamaha V8 hydrogen thing. Mm. And there is really not much difference in terms of running a car of hydrogen and running a car of petrol. So you still have, as a petrol head, you can still have all the fun you would have. Yeah, you can still run your high revving VTEC Honda engine with mm. some modification. But you can still keep that dream alive. Mm. And but similarly goes to synthetic fuels. You can still use that. But I think these will be in a very small minority in the future. So, yeah, you mentioned that with most of cars in the future being electrified, there will be less petrol stations and less like fuel around. And I would think that it will become more expensive also because of the lesser demand. Possibly. But I'm optimistic of an alternate future where we ditch the EV completely and just go 100% sustainable fuels. Oh, no, but you still emit carbon dioxide. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there again, where <laughs> the benefit of EV is that there's no emissions at the tailpipe, that's one thing. And mm. you've got to admit, from an engineering sense, the electric motor is far superior than yes. an internal combustion engine. Yeah. In terms of just efficiency, in terms of, yeah, just yeah. efficiency, basically. Yeah. It is very efficient. You think of it, I mean, us as engineers, we can probably visualize this uh, more clearly but you think of an internal combustion engine the principles behind how it drives power is a bit dinosaur don't you think so yeah <laughs> it's... you're controlling explosions yeah explosions in an engine and pistons moving yeah i how much more efficient is an electric motor at producing power do you have a rough figure well I would guess it was around 90 to 100%. Because More than, okay. Because for an internal combustion engine, the maximum thermal efficiency of an internal combustion engine is around 40%. So anything above that is already more efficient. And mm. that is the realm of electric motors. Mm. Well, speaking of efficiency, so like we talk about reliability Electric motors are known to be so much more reliable than traditional yeah, one moving part. engines. Yeah, literally just one moving part. So I guess like from a petrol head's perspective, right? If you were to buy a lemon EV car sometime in the future, you wouldn't be as worried and anxious on it breaking down and costing you tons of money to fix. Do you think that's valid? Okay, you're reaching a very interesting section of discussion here in terms of used electric cars. Mm. The motor might be fine, but mm. what I'm concerned is, what is powering that motor? What is powering it? The battery or the hydrogen tank. Ah. Uh, well, that's right. So less maintenance from the motor, but then potentially more to worry about the engine. I mean, sorry, no, not the engine, the, the, the battery. Power the source, yeah. Power source. Ah. Uh, so... Would you say it balances out? No, I would actually say that dealing with the battery could potentially be more dangerous. Dangerous? In what way? Like it would blow up? Okay, I won't say dangerous. How about less uh, modifying friendly? Okay. Because you can always swap out the motor, which is easy. But it's mm. always when you come with dealing with the battery, if you're dealing with it in a DIY sense, mm. I'm not touching 200 volts. Mm, okay. Oh, I'm not touching so, a 700 kPa hydrogen tank. So you're saying modding 
petrol cars are certainly more straightforward than trying to mod these electrified cars, which we yeah. actually know very little about. I think that's the key that we still don't know a lot about both the battery technology and hydrogen technology that we can't say how it would fare in a aftermarket sense. Whereas yeah. we are more familiar with how to mod a petrol engine. And mm. although there is still a fuel tank behind, we normally don't touch that either. Mm. Mm. Well, because you don't need to. It's just a fuel tank. Yeah. I would think that this is coming from little knowledge on electric cars in general. So I might be just talking farts here, but I would think that it would still be complicated because even nowadays, cars are getting more and more complicated. And would you say it's getting more and more difficult to mod these cars? So a new Mustang today is more difficult to mod than a Mustang 40 years ago. Yeah, because you have more electronics. Mm, yeah, electronics, which is getting more and more complicated and less and less people would be able, well, nobody would be able to touch these things, right? Without the proper software and knowledge. Yeah. You would think that only the manufacturer, the automaker, the ones that, that created it would know how to deal with it, I would say. Okay. I would say that you have a good point there, but if you have the knowledge, if you have the coding prowess, if you have access to the software, it might even be easier to mod. It is just that the modifying scene has moved from bolting new parts into your engine to coding. To, yes. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I don't code very well. So that's why I think I'm being left behind in this sense. Well, we are all mechanical majors. So <laughs> maybe that's why we're complaining the most. <laughs> I, yeah, we're moaning because we can't do what we want. So. Okay, we touched on power, how the power response is. We touched on reliability. What else are there that is different with um the typical EV car that would upset us, you think? I think that the typical EV car... Hmm. Okay, range. How about range? Range? Ah. So, in order to do the road trips that we would want to do, how would a different way of um, building up your car affect how we enjoy our road trips in okay. 2040. In terms of our hypothetical road trips, right now, doing an EV is what you call mad because the charging network is just not good enough, even in Europe, like where we are now. Yeah. We still see multiple reports of people queuing for hours at yeah. EV stations, and we yeah. still see that the charging network is still not good enough that you can actually make a road trip in the sense you would do in a conventional petrol-powered car. Yeah. And so, I think that even in the future, there will still be limitations to where your charging network can go. So there might be certain locations where you cannot feasibly reach with an EV. Like, if you and, want to go to Antarctica... You want to drive in Antarctica, let's say, like, if you have like some mad Top Gear challenge. Yeah. It's easier for someone to drop fuel than to drop electricity. Like just put it on a helicopter and just drop it down. Yeah. Right. Whereas when you're talking about batteries, they sometimes can be like way too heavy and will make it not feasible anymore to do trips like that. Yes. 
Mm. On the flip side, however, if let's say you're visiting, like the example that I often want to do is driving up to Mauna Kea, which is a volcano in Hawaii where there's a massive telescope. Yeah. And that journey, if it's not a particularly long journey, so you won't run out of fuel. Mm. But let's say if we scale it up to a certain level and you're driving up to another mythical mountain with a telescope there, I would probably take an EV because if I make it up there, I know that there will be a plug point there that I can use. I'll probably have to stay the night and probably the next day as well. But I know that I can charge up there using their possibly petrol-powered generator or diesel-powered generator, (laughs) use electricity and drive back down. Yeah, I guess... In terms of the Antarctica one as well, who's stopping us from using a generator and using fuel to power the generator to charge our electric cars? That is actually an option as well. Well, if you think about it this way, you have, let's say, a battery pack in your car and then you're putting an engine in it. Why don't you just run the engine through the wheels? Yeah. Because, yes, people can argue that the engine is more efficient if you run it as a generator. Yeah. than running it directly to the wheels. But yeah. why have the extra weight? <laughs> it's still an inconvenience and it's still inferior to the petrol car in that sense, I yes. guess. And also in 2040, right? I don't think that the charging network will be massively improved because you have to think, right, these petrol stations that are in place right now today how many years did it take us to fill up gas stations all over the world? And only now or in the recent future, we've been starting to put on these um, electric charging infrastructure. So I think even in 2040, going to more remote parts of the world with your EV car will be challenging. Well, I initially thought you were being a bit pessimistic into thinking that the charging infrastructure will never mm. improve that massively because i think that at least for much of the civilized world there will be charges everywhere by 2040 and even in parts of the not so civilized world like malaysia you will still see charging points at most of the places where most normal people would go to yeah normal people yeah but i'm talking about the more remote areas you know national parks like in america how there are just stretches of like nothing right on the road yeah. and I, there are like petrol stations like here and there still but will ev infrastructure be as extensive as the petrol station network no. that we have now no. yeah that's why i would think that it would put some limitations on road trips especially to more secluded areas but okay enough about ev cars um okay so before we move on, what is the conclusion here on EV cars? Can we as petrol heads still embrace the EV future? I want to hear your answer first. Well, I think, I think we'll adapt because the world is changing and it leaves us no choice but to adapt. You know, you can't cling on yes. to how the old days were, the kind of fun that you can get from a petrol car. And I think you just need to derive a new sense of fun from these new generation of cars. It might be different, it's very different, the characteristics, but I think we can learn how to enjoy it in yeah. in a different way. I'm being I optimistic agree. here. I agree, yeah. and I 
do enjoy your optimism and I think that you could still have fun in Eevee. It's just a like you said, a different kind of fun. You probably enjoy the acceleration more than the mm. nimble handling. Yes. Right now I'm imagining yes. having an EV in the garage, but tucked away behind there somewhere, under sheets of cloth and everything, is yep. an ancient MX-5. Yep, yep. I think that is what I would want as well. Like, tucked away behind there, it's hidden, and whenever I feel like it, I just take away the cloth and just go for driving yeah. that. Yeah. If I can but find fuel for it. La. I'm sure we would be able to find fuel for it still. We're not talking about that far in the future, but it's just that the normal petrol car that we have today cannot feasibly be your daily driver anymore. So the fun that you normally get from your daily, you have to get it from your EV car. Of course, yeah. you can still you taste a bit of the past with like your old MX-5 tucked away in somewhere in the basement, but it becomes a novelty, a niche event. It a guilty pleasure. It's, yeah, a guilty pleasure to put it simply, yes. And so, I think going along this imaginary scenario of having your MX-5 be your dungeon car, basically, mm. I'm imagining extrapolating it to a even worse, well, I wouldn't say worse, but a dystopian okay. future where yeah. most cars will be autonomous. Yes. And I think that is probably the one that I kind of fear more in terms yeah. of what will happen in the future or because what that... I'm probably not looking forward to. Mm. So with an EV car, you're still the driver, right? You can still yes. enjoy the things that you can enjoy as a driver controlling You're still car. in control of the car, yes. You're still in control, yes. But with autonomous vehicles coming in, let's put it simply, there's no way to look at it in an optimistic way because it takes away the driving element to it. So yeah, you might as well have just ditched the hobby of driving and, and take the bus. Take the bus or learn how to, I, I guess, read a book in the car while your <laughs> your car drives because... you to wherever. Okay, if we are being optimistic, if we're looking at it through a community happy clappy sense, mm. having cars be autonomous is a net benefit for the world. Oh, for sure. Because car accidents kill a lot of people. And removing the driver helps reduce car accidents. Yes, and it also frees up a lot of um, capacity for humans. You don't have to drive mm -hmm. anymore. And I would think that, especially with the trend, la, you know, when automakers talk about the future of mobility, it looks like one thing that they often bring up is connected vehicles, meaning that the vehicle would interact with a lot of things, with other vehicles, with traffic data and uh, weather, for example. And that yeah. just means that for you to get from A to B, the journey would become smoother and smoother from now on as things become more autonomous and systematic. So I would think that mm -hmm. traffic jams wouldn't be a thing in the future because when we talk about traffic jams, sometimes it's made worse from people changing lanes when they're not supposed to, right? Oh, yeah. And if you take, yeah, exactly. So when you take that element out of it and replace or it with like slowing down necessarily or people, yep. you know, just, just these being dumb. Efficiencies, yeah. yeah, being dumb that slows down traffic. So if you take all this out of the equation and put a bot in place that would do things 100% efficiently and every car does that, I see a lot of benefit in this future. Although yes, I just... really be a mass transit solution where everyone is technically in a pod 
and they're mm-hmm. just going where they want to go. Mm-hmm. It's like being in a massive train. Yeah, which honestly would be nice for 99.9% of the people out there. Oh, yeah. Um, although, uh, let's not be too sad about this future because I think that it wouldn't happen within our lifetime. I don't think so. I don't think so. We're thinking too far into the Star Trek future, but looking at foreseeably the next 17 years, I think that a lot of people will not want to drive anymore. Yeah. At least with our generation, the necessity for driving will be superseded by things like taking a bicycle or taking a train or taking, I don't know, a bus. Yeah. And so the cities especially will be more transit-friendly, and I guess this will hopefully be expanded into more suburban regions where yeah, even in... Okay, to indulge my inner Japanophile, in Japan, you can foreseeably go anywhere, well, any tourist attraction, without yeah. a car. Yeah. Because the yeah. public transport system there is just so good. In yeah. Tokyo... There is never once that I've decided I need to take a taxi. Mm. Yeah. Whereas in KL, Grab is the answer everywhere. You kind of have to... Yeah. Well, yeah, I think nowadays, especially, people are going anti-car, right? Cars used to be like a necessity in the past, something every family needs Needs. to own. Yeah. But nowadays, well, of course, let's reserve it to just a more developed world where public transport and connectivity is actually good. People don't really need cars anymore. In fact, cars have become quite a burden, I would say, especially in very dense, densely populated cities. You look at London, you wouldn't want to even have a car if you live in central, central London. It's just a huge burden. Yeah, there's nowhere to park it. You go anywhere, all you see is buses around blocking Mm -hmm. your way, you know? So... Owning a car certainly becomes a hassle at that point already. And I think as humankind develop even more, more and more cities will become like this, where a bike might be the best way to get around town as opposed yeah, to a Yeah, or a skateboard car. or a scooter or whatever. It's just mm, not a car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that being said, I don't see why us as petrolheads, we can still, well, have the car that we love tucked in away somewhere to be driven every now and then. I think the only thing is that we won't be able to enjoy it as like a daily thing. And do you think that's okay? Hmm. I think that is dependent on personality. I realize that a lot of people don't really care about driving or don't really care about wanting to drive to work. And Petro hits as well. Oh yeah, even that. Hmm, okay, yes. But I think I'm... Well, maybe because I haven't driven in a year that I am wanting to drive everywhere severely deprived (laughs) yes i think that does cloud my judgment and also it doesn't help that both of us i'm dragging into this as well we are very kl centric people and Mm. being kl centric means that we've lived a life where we only know to get from point a to point b get in a car yeah but having lived in UK for the past five years, I can allow myself to think about a future where I would normally take the public transport or other means to work and then enjoy my car on the weekends where I just want to relax and 
take my mind off things. I think that is something I would be able to do because... Okay, that is an interesting point because living here, I think that maybe because of the public transport system here is that the more I take it, the more I realize that, yes, I really want to go back to KL because I can drive everywhere. <laughs> yes, I see your point there, but that's just one of the upsides of having a car. Maybe it's just because I'm annoyed at the public transport system. It's, I just don't like waiting. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not perfect. But there are a lot of upsides, I would say, in taking public transport. It essentially frees up your time and your attention while traveling to places. And sometimes yes. if you just had a long day... Well, some people... I mean, okay, maybe uh, I'm contradicting myself here because if I would think that after a long day of work, I would want to blast off in my MX-5 home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, I do understand your point. And we discussed offline before in terms of the woes of European public transport. Yeah. It's just that there's a lot of waiting, there's a lot of delays, there's a lot of just standing around in the cold looking yep. at your phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and anxiety. Especially in like London, it's crowded, yep. it's noisy, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. Yes, yes. And yeah. that is what I want. It's like, if I get out of work, get in my car, that is my own private space. Yes. And although I'm stuck in the jam, crank the music up, although I can't look at my phone legally, yeah. I reminisce from my past, even if like coming back from uni or going to work, even though I'm stuck yeah. in an hour-long jam, go, even going down yeah. to see you, which is yeah. about yeah. five minutes away, I could be stuck for an hour, but I'm still yeah. content. Most of the time. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just us being very KL-centric and the fact that we haven't grown up using suffering. public transport. Yes. Suffering, yes. We've been pampered our whole lives to just driving to places and now that we have to take public suffer. transport, yeah, we have to yes. suffer and we hate it. Yeah, I guess that's just a form of upbringing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree that we are pampered and selfish, but... This shapes our view of public transport and this is why probably we are afraid of cars being autonomous because it takes away our control over the car. And if we do extrapolate to a dystopian future, there will likely be laws regulating where we can drive and what we can drive. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be like horses, I would presume, where... <laughs> You can only ride them in parks. Not yeah. all parks, but just certain areas. You can't take a horse onto the road right now. How about that? Yeah. But pulling back from this dystopian future and looking at it more realistically, I still think that you can't actually regulate it that thoroughly. You can't ban all people from driving. And would you agree with me that although young people these days don't want to drive, there will still be a necessity for a large majority of them to still take a driving test. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about the dystopian future, right? It's just the somewhat medium term. We're not talking within our lifetime, is it? Yeah. Let's go back to the 2040 rule and let's say that we are both lucky enough to have kids. Mm. Okay, 2050. Our kids should realistically be at driving age. Yeah, yeah. Mm. At that time, do you think yeah. they'll still want to take a driving test? I think so, because I think even in 2050, right, cars are still here to stay. And I don't think that it will be fully autonomous yet. Maybe some cars uh, will be so fully either. autonomous, yeah. But I would imagine that the majority of cars out there 
would still be driven by a driver, and even not in 2050. Mm. Even if your car is fully autonomous, you would mm. still want to learn how to manually control it, do you? Okay, so before I answer that, I just want to know if a car is fully autonomous, would it still allow you to take control of it if you wanted to? I think you, you must have to, right? No. It'll be mad the to car go is... car without a steering wheel. Yeah, but what's the point of having a steering wheel if the car will never be driven by an actual person? There's no point in having a steering wheel, pedal, a gauge and all that. It's just a waste of space, right? I would think if someone were to market an autonomous vehicle, it wouldn't allow you to control the car. Not because okay. they don't want you to. It's just a measure Here's of cost-cutting. Yeah. Not only that, I think we're veering to a topic that we know very little about. And... <laughs> Here's just to pull it back from us being properly crucified on the internet. If you look at, let's say, the foremost marketers of autonomous cars, Tesla, they're of course not the best system, but even Tesla won't be dumb enough to remove the steering wheel from the car. Because you have to remember, this is touching onto topics that I've only briefly came across, but if you have an accident, you've got to consider like the trolley problem where who do you, which thing do you hit if mm. you're in an autonomous vehicle? And mm. not only which thing do you hit, who is liable for the accident? Well, Tesla would be. No, actually, it's that right now it's the driver because... There you mm. go, see? These are the things that I don't think will be settled by 2050. So Although... you think in 2050... Let me just tell you that in 2050, if Tesla is still around <laughs> in 2050, let's just say by then they would have made a fully autonomous car. I think that's reasonable to assume that in 25 years, they would be able to achieve it seeing what kind of progress they have now. Yeah, so okay, are yeah. you saying, you let's just say if that does happen, are you saying yeah. that the car would still have a steering wheel, pedals, and like everything a normal car would have, even though it so. could be theoretically self-driven i think so well in that case then yeah i would push for my kids to go learn how to drive then because i don't think we're that far in the future where everyone can just solely rely on cars driving themselves you say you know what i think it would be it will be like the current driving test system right now where you can learn fully manual Uh or an automatic car and possibly in the future, there'll be like some sort of autonomous driving lesson where right. you're only allowed to drive autonomous, but it'll be possibly a very simple test. Maybe just like some more safety critical. So like they won't test you on your awareness and judgment, but rather how to operate an autonomous vehicle and possibly, maybe when yeah. like exit, not to say exit, um, like crucial moments where you need to take control of the car. No, that requires judgment. Or, or like <laughs> how to change a tire. Yeah, yeah. Or how to press the big red button that says stop. Mm-mm-mm. So it's so I think very it, much it, tailored still be regulated, that. yeah. Mm. That seems very reasonable, actually. Well, to think of it, like, automatic-only um, license wasn't even a thing in the past, right? Yeah. And now it's quite common. Yeah, and most of like, the friends that we know who don't like cars have an yeah. automatic license. It's a no-brainer. Whereas last time, I would say, like, in the 80s, it's crazy if someone just told you that you can get a license without learning how to drive a manual. I think that yeah. would sound bizarre in in the 80s. Whereas 
now is oh okay yeah that's normal go for it it's a no-brainer so could we see that in the future with autonomous vehicles maybe Possibly. but i think it will be further than 2050 i think you have to know 2050 so, is not that far in the future i think the perception of time is kind of strange where it's not that far in the future but seeing how technology has improved so far the speed of technological progress right now in the, especially in the auto industry who knows what will happen i agree but so 2050 is 27 years in the future and 27 years before 2023 was 1996 and 1996 and now although a lot of things have happened but it's still very much the same world as we know yeah that's an e36 that m3 sense. there is it yeah, yeah. e36 m3 okay. and the m3 now it's it is still the same although a lot has changed i'll say but yet again we don't know what's going to happen in the future especially with things progressing so fast nowadays okay i think we shall pull it back from the doom and gloom and possibly talk on topics or opinions at least that we are possibly more well versed into it and let's just answer one final question which is what would be the realistic best case in the future for petrol heads to enjoy cars Mm. you want to go first yeah okay yeah we've touched on evs we've seen that realistically our future cars will be electric and I think we can still enjoy that. And like going back to the basement as well, Mm. the MX-5 will possibly offer a more distilled experience. And realistically, in the next 17 to 25 years, Mm. that MX-5 will still be able to be used for most cases. So if I want to take my MX-5 out, I might not be able to drive it in the city. Okay. I might not be able to drive it into London, but I can guarantee you I'm still able to drive it into KL. Definitely, yeah. And in terms of the autonomous aspect of it, I think that the MX-5, I will still be able to drive it on most roads. And if you look at it very optimistically, there are still roads in Malaysia that unless in the next 25 years, there is a massive improvement in infrastructure, Worldwide, actually, there will still be roads where it cannot be reached by cameras or by radar or by LIDAR or by whatever sensing equipment that we use. Like, mm. you can't imagine driving down a kampung road in an autonomous car. No. So, there will still be necessity for a human driver and hence there will still be leeway for these cars for me to control to still yeah. be around. Yeah, and definitely. With that, there might even be domains, let's say mountain roads, that autonomous cars will never likely venture to. So those roads will be the domain of people who actually enjoy driving. So there is actually a benefit to having more people in autonomous cars (laughs) in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. And if we are getting rid of the car altogether and forcing everyone onto buses and bicycles and, you know trains or whatever, trams, mm. the roads will be emptier. <laughs> so I can drive around yeah. even more freely than ever before. So if we look optimistically in the future, it's actually quite good to be a car enthusiast. Well, one thing I just want to put in, I think certainly the cost of having fun as a petrol hit will go up massively. But oh, yeah. if that's something you can afford, 
if we're not broke as bitches in 25 years, I think we could still have a very good time as actual hits. Yes, but, uh, and I think there will be more hurdles to taking the MX5 um, yeah. out. Yes, yes, but definitely. I think it's still doable, even though if, if you think about it in a more dystopian sense, the only thing you need to do to get the car out of the garage is find fuel for it. And not being I'm the sure best there will still be world, plenty. Yeah. Oh, you're going to make your own fuel. <laughs> yeah, make your own fuel. Distill ethanol. That is, you're talking very far in the future. I'm very sure that... If it's a dystopian future, I would still yeah. be able to get it out. Yes, but as far yeah. as the future that we've been talking about is concerned, I think BP, Shell, you know, they're all here to stay. And they're still lobbying for fossil fuels to be around. So I think we can rest knowing that it would still be there in the future or be at a higher price. That's why I think that as long as you can afford it, it should be okay for us enthusiasts. The one more but, uh, thing that I would... Yeah. Go on. No, I just wanted to say that with you laying out what the optimistic future would look like, you know, I think that, yeah. especially for myself, how I would see it is I would have... I'm open to having an autonomous vehicle or an EV in the future as my daily driver. I'm open to that. But I would still want to have, you know, a car that I really love to drive and the car that resembles what a car is fun in the good old days. Stuck in somewhere in my garage and I'll be able to take it out anytime I want if when I feel like it. And I think if I have that, I'll be happy as a car enthusiast. The one thing we didn't touch upon actually is like, not laws, but enforcement. <laughs> so we know that currently it's... Driving is more stressful because there are yeah. things like speed cameras, congestion charge, etc. Yeah. yeah. And I think it'll only get more stressful from here. Mm. But with more regulation probably. Yeah. yeah. But in general, going back to conclude this very nicely, our topic initially was the future is grim for petrol heads. And mm. through this discussion, we realized that it's possibly not all that bad. Yeah. It's <sighs> That's if you learn to accept that things just won't be the same as they were in the past. And I think we can all embrace the greener future and the more efficient future that we have. Things won't be the same as the past, but I think we can live a life in the future where we can still experience the joys of the past. Especially, there will be some restrictions, but I think that Especially in the immediate future, yeah, you can still live the good old days yeah, for at least a brief moment. Yeah, I would say the key thing is that you can't live the good old days every day. And it will no. only be brief moments where you can enjoy that. And to me, I think that makes it more special. The fact that it has to be a special occasion for you to bring your car out, you know, for example. So... I think yeah. that makes it all the more meaningful. And yeah, I think it's, it's not too bad. Not too bad. You can... I can imagine right now all the cinematic scenes, you know, like when you have to roll up the garage and then you take up all the cloths from your car. <laughs> and that's that's the moment where you actually, you drive your MX-5 out. It's like every time yeah. you start that, it's, your vision goes to 16 by 9 and it looks like a film trailer. <laughs> just to throw in one more thing, right? It's just like, I don't know if horse enthusiasts exist, but I'm sure horse riding enthusiasts yes. would feel the same way, right? Like, back then, they could ride horses everywhere. 
But now they are only limited to parks and they have to put their horse in a stable somewhere far from their home. I guess it, it follows a similar <laughs> analogy if that makes sense. No, but if you think of it this way, horses were banned only about well quite late into the car era. Oh so, really? So you're saying at one so. point at one point you could have horses and cars on the same road. Yeah, there will be yes. horseless carriages and there will be horses oh, right. on the road. Like, you see, like, London in the 1850s, I think, or something like that. There will be those 1850s, together. that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you see, we're still not getting rid of the car in its entirety. If we're going down the autonomous path, it's still a car. So the infrastructure yes. that's being used is still the same. Yes, so yes, yes. So if we're being realistic, and if there is no major leap forward from the course to the car and the mx5 that we've tucked in the garage is still a car mm. then we could still use the same infrastructure that is yes. available yep you well, up until be a hazard yeah yeah but i think in the near future it's it still be okay i don't think it'll be a hazard yet but yeah. when we talk about the dystopian future then definitely for you to be on the road like that would become a hazard already but I'm just thankful that I don't have to be alive to see this future. I was going to say that, yeah. By the time they pry the keys of my MX-5 from my cold, dead hands, I'll be both cold and dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, fellow car enthusiasts, here's I to buy an MX-5. And, yeah, buy an MX, MX-5. And don't, don't worry about things going grim in the future. It'll still be we fun. We always end these conversations with me going on to Autotrader. This is not healthy. <laughs> oh well okay and you're gonna do, suck me in yeah let's hope well who knows in possibly in episode 100 we might have an mx5 yeah yeah hopefully sooner rather than later but yep. stay tuned stay tuned let's see how how much more we can get out of this we've done 10 and let's see how let's let's see stay tuned okay. stay tuned okay thanks for listening everyone thanks for see listening you next time. catch you